Hey there, listener. Did you know that for the price of four-fifths of a $5 footlong, you can join the Yeah No Yeah Patreon? We do an extra mini-soda every month, along with Patreon-exclusive polls and other tidbits that we can't fit into the regular episodes. Hope to see you there. On with the show. Hi, I'm Molly, and I'm quarantined with someone who openly refers to shrimp as nature's candy. Hi, I'm Katie, and lately I've just been blocking and unblocking people on Instagram just to feel something. Uh, well, we all do what we can. Um, <laughs> you also were arguing with me about whether or not shrimp are the candy of uh, nature's candy. I feel like that label is reserved for fruit and fruit only. Yeah, fruit is definitely nature's candy, but I said that shrimp might be the candy of the sea. What about shrimp says candy to you? This is what I'm not getting. Is it because it comes in a wrapper, aka an it comes in a wrapper shell? And it's, I mean, shrimp are sweet. They're kind of sweet. They're incidentally sweet. They're not. They're sweet. Yeah, they're not sweet on purpose. They're not sweet on purpose. Thank you. Okay. And That's- sometimes I like my candy like that. Okay. I just um, popped in nature's real candy, a grape into my mouth. She's calling it a grape. Viewers, I want you to know we're looking at each other on a Zoom call, and she does, in fact, have a brimming bowl of cocktail shrimp at her desk. <laughs> She's just popping them in. Um, so, Katie, uh, like everyone else, uh, I've been spending some time recently just really diving into all of the videos of uh, Italian people on their balconies playing instruments and singing mm. really is a great thing to gently, gently weep to. Very, uh, very emotional. Very. Hear, what's that sound? Is there like a plane landing? There is a room? plane. <laughs> there's, I don't know why all of a sudden everything is very loud, um, but yeah. there's a plane and there's also a mariachi band downstairs. So I apologize. Yeah. I live in a weird neighborhood. You do indeed. Um, so I uh, I saw an exciting headline that got me very um, worked up uh, that I was hoping like, oh, this would be a good thing to bring up on today's episode where we're talking about social media and celebrity reactions to quarantine. Uh, but I saw an exciting headline somewhere like the Daily Mirror Uh, about how Gwyneth Paltrow and Brad Falchuk are talking about struggles with intimacy and quarantine. Uh, So I started to watch it, and the headline was very clickbaity, very annoying, very misleading. It's just them talking to some um, just very, you know, um, well-meaning, but ultimately very dull uh, intimacy coach. And they asked just such boring questions. Like, Brad will say something like, how do you think people will be feeling in quarantine a, a week from now? And then the coach says something like, well, they'll probably be feeling like they've been in quarantine for another week, you know? And that is something where... <laughs> that time has passed? You know, uh, time has passed. And uh, things are getting to the point where you look around and you say, I've been among these four walls for so long and I'm running out of tuna. And she's really just saying like... <laughs> Things that shouldn't really count as observations. But my point is, my big takeaway from uh, consuming social media uh, these past few weeks is 
everyone should be calling themselves a coach or a consultant. Like <laughs> yes. That's, that's really how to start charging real rates. Uh, 100%. You can just say anything. Just say what you think people vaguely want to hear. Uh, and I don't and know you're a coach. just find it. People find it soothing. Gwyneth Paltrow finds it soothing. She's got deep pockets. Her pockets are deep. Oh, I like you're drinking out of your little yeah, no, yeah mug. Possibly our new merch. Stay tuned. Possibly. Um, a lot of people I follow on Instagram, like just average Janes and Joes, they're all going like to Instagram live a lot lately to like paint or play guitar for you. And um, I don't need it, but I'm sure <laughs> other people might. I mean, I could see it being soothing in some ways. You're talking these are like average run-of-the-mill people. Average uh, people who maybe have two people tuning into that Instagram live. The Jonas Brothers, I get. The Joe Schmo across the street, I don't. That's so interesting. I have the exact opposite reaction. Oh, really? That we're going to unpack while we're here. I do think it's nice when celebrities put on performances for their fans for free. Obviously, that's a great thing to do. Um, But it's sort of like, of course, you're going to get an audience as a celebrity that's a good point it's it's more like oh I'm getting to know this you know this side of a person who I don't usually see in their home environment you know maybe I'll go live and cook something that'd be fun see that'd be fun I'd I'd naked Ah, oh never mind never mind never mind (laughs) and now uh guys I'm gonna link you to my OnlyFans. all proceeds (laughs) go to the local hospital yeah, I think um, if you don't have an OnlyFans that you're using to raise money for COVID-19, you're a monster. 100%. Frankly. Um, okay, so that I'm, that's actually um, a good uh, segue to what I sort of wanted, what I wanted to open with, which, like I said, there are a lot of celebrities, Chris Martin from Coldplay, John Legend, Yo-Yo Ma, who have done little... Sorry, I don't know any of these people. Okay. Well, just d- trust me that they're famous in certain circles. Um, but they, uh, but then they're also, then those have gotten very positive reactions, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are so many other celebrities whose responses have been kind of tone deaf, where they want to reach out to their fans with a message about quarantine. But it just doesn't quite hit, hit the way it should, um, or how they meant it to. Um, some of my favorite examples were Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he posted an Instagram post where the caption was, stay at home. That means you too, spring breakers. And it shows him in his jacuzzi. Oh, I'm uh, sure. Smoking smoking a cigar, saying, oh, I just got done with a workout and I have a message for all of you people. And it's like, don't lecture me from your hot tub, sir. Yes, yes. Because they keep saying like, oh, we're all in this together. And it's like, no, I'm in uh, my tiny (laughs) apartment and you're in a a sprawling mansion where you can still have people over because you have enough space Mm -hmm. to have, uh, you know, 30 feet between uh, everyone. You don't, you're you're not, um, you're just not suffering the way the rest of us all, uh, the way the rest of us are. Like if I could quarantine in your house, I wouldn't call it a quarantine. I would say, oh, I'm at a resort. I'm on. 100%. Right. Um, So JLo and A-Rod also made a simpering little video. (laughs) 
urging their fans are like hey guys it's really important to stay at home and like i'm not really exaggerating that's how j-lo sounds when she talks in this video yes. um and they were actually photo- photographed uh when florida had a stay at home order in place leaving their gym in miami which was closed but not for them ah yes nothing's yeah, closed so- when you're a celebrity Right. So, uh, so the responses under this Instagram video that they posted were, uh, I really like you guys, nothing against you, but it's easy for you guys to stay home. Mm. You don't have to worry about feeding your kids and bills. You guys just relax in your big mansion. And then the next response was, didn't y'all go to the gym? LOL, (laughs) y'all need to stay home too. (laughs) I agree with both of those posts. So there's just been a lot of, um, yeah, people getting a little sick of uh, celebrities. I certainly don't want uh, celebrities telling me what to do. It's funny because, and feel free to dox me for this. I also hate when celebrities tell us to vote. Okay. Don't tell me to vote and don't tell me to stay inside. I'll I'll do what I got to do. I'm also an American. Well, I think the voting thing is more about like nineteen-year-olds who kind yeah, of yeah getting teens. But then, couldn't right. you argue that celebrities saying to stay home is also for those teens? Right. Well, I think that my point is that they that is what I, what comes off as tone deaf to me is that there's they're not acknowledging at all. Like I recognize that I'm in a way like I have a beautiful I'm house and it's I'm I'm lucky. It'd be better if they said that. I do have a gorgeous home and I can stay home and I'm staying home and it sucks and it sucks probably worse for you. Or like, uh, here I am and I want you to know that I'm, uh, raising money, you know, just do something with your money. I just want to know how much money you've donated. Dolly Parton's donated a ton just as a little silver lining here. Of course she has. Of course she has. She's the only good one. Yeah. Um, so uh, I wanted to know, you were telling me something about, um, so, okay, I'm going to dox myself. You dox yourself. I'm going to dox myself. Let's dox. Um, so I, uh, I was, as you know, I was in Bushwick for the pers- first part of the quarantine, but eventually, um, you know, I was there holed up with my roommate who um, is typically uh, whispering in the basement and uh, <laughs> In my apartment, there's really bad Wi-Fi and really bad phone reception. And now everything I do, I do obviously on the internet. And I also have to do a lot more phone calls now to right. people. And, um, so I really uh, couldn't do it there. Like mm-hmm. there was only one, there's only one part of my apartment where I can, uh, where I have access to reception. So my parents happen to have an empty house in an undisclosed location. I'm not actually going to dox myself. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, so I decamped to this empty house. So I am one of the privileged where I had a place to run away to. Yeah. Um, but you were telling me about celebrities and social media. This is something that obviously rich people have been doing left and right, running away to their vacation homes. And you were telling me about an influencer who yeah. faced some backlash. A friend of mine, so this is a friend of a friend, and she was bringing this up on, uh, we were having like a Skype call. And she was, so this girl, I think it's okay if I say the influencer's name. Um, she has a, brand called Inspiralized. So I imagine she does some sort of uh, 
zucchini noodle stuff. I was going to say. <laughs> um, I think she's just like the queen of zucchini noodles. I don't think she invented them, but whatever. So she's like this girl about town in New York. Like everything she talks about and regarding, I guess, zucchini noodles. Apparently everything has to do with New York. And I looked at her Instagram and the older photos are definitely oh, like... May I interrupt real quick, Please. just in case anyone listening isn't familiar with what a spiralizer is. Oh, yes. Um, zucchini noodles. Zucchini noodles were a trend that sort of rode the wave of vegan YouTube influencers uh, 2014 to 2015. They really <laughs> pushed this idea that you could replace cooked pasta with zucchini with noodles, zucchini. which is so you... So you put the zucchini lengthways into what's known as a spiralizer and you turn a crank and it makes the zucchini into this uh, noodle shape. Yes. So I guess she just um, uses that a lot. Hence, inspiralized. I think she's like a well, a wellness, foodie, lose weight type of thing. Something I would never, ever follow. Um, so again, she's just a girl about town. She talks about New York all the time. I love New York. I love New Jersey. I love the East Coast. And then when all of this started hitting being in the epicenter, she said, by the way, guys, I'm moving to Florida um, because I can't take it. I'm worried about my family. And boy, did she get in a lot of uh, hot water with her followers, like people sending her death threats, people saying, uh, don't come back, you yuppie piece of shit. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think influencers are definitely hitting Look, I don't know if it's if you can leave the epicenter of disease. I'm not I, I think I guess you should. But again, to Molly's point, maybe she said, hey, I'm leaving and the money I'm saving on rent in Florida now I'm donating to Mount Sinai in New York because I now can. Um, I think the biggest issue, another issue people had with her was that she still was trying to hawk her products. Like, hey, I'm leaving, but you remember this bedazzled, I'm making this up, spiralizer that I made and I sell? Like, you should still really buy it. And all, and nothing was going to, um, what do you call it? Nothing was going to charity. Nothing was being donated. I, I do not have a lot of followers and I am the furthest thing from influencer, but I have had brands reach out to me before and more so now to post, send me something for free and post about it. And it's like, I'm not going to do that unless you're donating stuff. Also, who's going to buy it if I post it? But it's like, I, unless you say 10% of this is going here, or 10, you know what I mean? Um, the Rack Shack in Brooklyn, I did let them post something that I was wearing because she is donating some, some of her proceeds to charity. So the Rack Shack, the Brooklyn, Rack Shack buy is, bras. Yeah, they're buy a their bras. local lingerie store. Buy their bras. If you do one thing. If you do one thing for me and for this country, buy a nice bra. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's been really fascinating watching the uh, the absolute breakdown um, between ourselves and uh, celebrities. Because now they kind of, like now more than ever, the idea of being relatable has this kind of cachet. Yes. Um, because we're all so lonely and desperate and just living our lives through social media more than ever. But now more than ever, we're seeing this hideous delineation between how they perceive reality and how we mm -hmm. perceive it. And in my opinion, this all culminated with Gal Gadot's uh, celebrity collaboration where uh, she had her friends, her celebrity friends, each sing a line of John Legend's Imagine. <laughs> John Lennon. Uh, I'm so sorry. Molly! <laughs> 
Uh, is there a different? Um, wait, are you telling me that John Legend wasn't in the Beatles? I'm confused. No, I'm not telling um, you that. Okay. But, um, so John Lennon's uh, Imagine, uh, two disastrous results. Uh, she was widely mocked <laughs> yeah. and, uh, by, by other comedians and just people in general. And I really wanted to, I've heard people make fun of this and say, like, this was really out of touch, but I really want to unpack why Mm -hmm. it's out of touch. Let's do it. So part one, part one of my lecture series. (laughs) Also, welcome um, to her TED Talk. um, Yeah. Um, Part, um, I also wanted to, side note, apparently her name is pronounced Gadot. So if anyone thinks I'm saying it wrong, you're wrong. She's not French. She's Israeli. Oh, there you go. um, so she said that she was inspired by that uh, video I mentioned earlier of an Italian trumpet player on his balcony playing Imagine uh, to for his neighbors. And it is, I find Imagine, it's one of those songs where it's so sort of overplayed yeah. as being the sad song that it comes off as kind of cheesy. But in this context, and for the record, I was PMSing when I watched it. It really, it really got it. Oh, it made I me did, cry. I cried. Oh, I cried. And I'm not the, and I'm not the biggest. Uh, As a side note, everything the Italians um, but, are pumping out right now is making me cry. Oh yeah, that opera singer in Florence. Oh, that's could you even stand it? Anyway, go on. <laughs> and then, and then, I, and then, like uh, you think about people doing that in Brooklyn, <laughs> and the response would be, "Shut up." <laughs> well, it's but, actually DJs <laughs> playing in their backyard instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, but but then in Italy you hear all the people be like grazie grazie oh mm-hmm. and it's like very moving. I know. Um, uh, Italians, it's like none of them are Philistines. Like they all seem to be into opera, which is really uh, amazing. But they interviewed that trumpet player uh, whose name is Alberto Inguza. Um, NBC interviewed him, and he said. Um, being a professional musician, musician, I play in clubs. I do many concerts. My job is to entertain people. Staying at home is hard. One day I'm playing for hundreds, even thousands of people. The next, I'm home in my room, trying to share as much, mm. uh, trying as much as possible um, to use my music to cheer everyone up. And what's so interesting about that to me is like this is the he's a guy who's not you know he's successful obviously, but he's not famous. He's not a household name. And him playing in his tiny little balcony to his neighbors is the opposite of a celebrity <laughs> getting on their already gigantic platform. Yes, yes, yes. Gal Gadot knows Gal Gadot could burp the alphabet and we'd all tune in and it would have 10 million views. So it, um, it really is, it's just so jarring, the difference between those two things. Uh, so that was, I think that that's one thing about why, um, they just really didn't make, why they were just such disconnected ideas. The idea that one thing inspired the the other is just, uh, ridiculous. So, um, also I just feel like the song is such a poor choice. (laughs) Um, imagine, imagine came out in 1971, uh, when we were, uh, really deep into Vietnam and Vietnam was one of the first wars that a lot of people saw on TV. So it was really shocking to people. And it was also um, kind of a jarring cultural thing where World War II, we'd come out as being these like 
victors and heroes and we kind of in our imagination in our popular imagination we more or less saved europe from hitler and then in vietnam it's like we're not the good guys anymore we installed a puppet government and for some reason we feel like we still have an interest in controlling how this government operates right so what i find really effective about the song imagine is how sort of worn out and bummed out John Lennon sounds like his singing his delivery is so minimal um and I think that that really goes along with the feeling of fatigue that a lot of people had with being in this war and the overwhelming misery that people were witnessing um and that just really has nothing to do with a virus and how uh like a, a war versus a pandemic there's just no correlation. And the idea, and like, imagine it's like, oh, let's live without borders and without religion right. and let's stop having a reason to go to war. <laughs> what the fuck does that have to do with a lot of people getting pneumonia and overwhelming a hospital system? That is such a, it's such a, it's a biological problem that has become an administrative problem yes. and a public health crisis. It has nothing to do with anything that was being addressed with Imagine. 100%. So uh, I saw Yoko Ono told Rolling Stone. I was going to say, what did Yoko have to say? (laughs) I really would like to know. Um, I know that you're a big Yoko fan. Um, But she said, uh, it's not like he thought, oh, this can be an anthem. Imagine was just what John believed, that we're all one country, one world, one people. He wanted to get that idea out. He got it out. Again. A long time ago. like. (laughs) <laughs> but the whole thing about us being one country and it's like, okay, but it seems like the solution to a lot of this uh, virus problem is to uh, stop travel and to uh, really isolate ourselves. <laughs> so again, it thematically, it thematically has no relationship to um, what a time when we're all being told to isolate ourselves and don't travel and uh, just uh, stay the hell at home and don't worry about what's happening in other countries. They should have picked sedated by the Ramones. Yes, there are. Thank I you. Mean, Virus are, by uh, Bjork. I mean, come on. Yeah, there are a million other things that would have made more sense and been funnier. And just trying to milk this for uh, sympathy points is just really or sympathy, or I don't know, just applause in general is just so uh, absurd. It is. Um, but, okay, so um, speaking about this, um, how it really doesn't make sense as uh, being kind of an anthem that's a war protest, um, Gal Gadot commented, someone posted, some other famous person posted on Instagram a picture of uh, doctors, but the bottom half of the photograph is ripped away and uh, you see that the doctors are uh, Marvel uh, heroes. They're wearing Marvel hero okay. costumes under their doctor outfits. And it's like, they're the real heroes. Um, and Gal Gadot commented on this saying, I think this is one of the best summations I've seen in regard to the medical personnel around <laughs> the globe, as they are currently, fr- uh, currently on the front lines fighting what is the closest thing to a world war most of us have ever seen. So I like that she seemed to be swooping in and saying like, oh, no, it is a war. It's a war. Make it work. Like that to me, I'm not, obviously I'm not in her brain, but it seems like maybe that was her after the fact kind of trying to shoehorn <laughs> in the idea that this is uh, a war. 
Um, but another thing that I found really fascinating in the wake of all this is just how many basketball players have gotten tested. Oh, yeah. And how basketball players seem particularly prone yes. to, uh, to... <laughs> for those of you <laughs> listening at home, yes, Katie is just eating. I'm sorry. I, this is my lunch break um, and I need to eat my grapes. Yeah, this is, we're recording on a school day, so Katie is (laughs) taking time off from her. Um, So, uh, as you may have heard, Rudy Gobert of the, who is French, soft team. No, I say Gobert. Um, Okay, so Rudy Gobert (laughs) of the Utah Jazz uh, was tested in March. Uh, He was the guy who jokingly touched all the microphones. Oh, sorry, I touched all the microphones. Um, also, Utah Jazz. I don't know. <laughs> that's, the, that's the name of his basketball team. They must be really good. Right. Um, so, uh, he, so after he was, uh, came down with it, a bunch of his teammates and other staff uh, were tested. With, that was a total of 58 people. So according to the Atlantic, that number, 58, mm-hmm. accounts for 20% of all of the tests available in Oklahoma. Oh, my God. Which is where, which is where they had right. been recently. Um, so, um, so, and there were players on the basketball teams that tested positive, even though they had no symptoms. Um, what's mm. so interesting about this is that the CDC has guidelines about who gets tested, who's prioritized for getting those tests. You know, we have a right. limited quantity available. Um, the idea is that uh, you should only be tested if you've been exposed to, if you have mm-hmm. symptoms and you've been exposed to someone with COVID or you've traveled um, or you're in a particularly high risk category. And none of these basketball players, or not many of these basketball players, didn't meet the right. criteria at all. Um, so people have, so it's led to this uh, questioning of like, well, why do basketball players have such a priority ahead of normal people? Um, higher ups have argued that it's of concern um, because basketball players have so much contact with the public. Uh, the Oklahoma State Department of Health told USA Today that the NBA did not receive special treatment on testing and that it was deemed a public health decision by the Hmm. state because they like sign autographs so that's a lot of I don't know they're spitting and they're sweating and they're shouting okay so they're uh so that so that was their reasoning for that um I thought I read an article about this there's nothing to do with the millions of dollars they make Right. So um, they, uh, the Washington Post pointed out that teams often have close relationships and sponsorship deals with major healthcare organizations. Uh, the Lakers partner with UCLA Health, mm. the Atlanta Hawks partner with Emory Healthcare, and so on and so forth. Um, so that's an interesting, and then uh, I forget which outlet it was, but they spoke with someone who remained anonymous who said, yeah, any basketball player who wants a test can get it. Just it's a phone call away for basketball mm-hmm. players. Um, and also because of, you know, it's obviously not just that the basketball players make a lot of money. It's that the stakeholders have deep pockets and can make this all happen. Supposedly. That's the idea. That's what it seems like. Um, a retired NBA player, Kendrick Perkins, uh, tweeted out uh, saying, just because we're athletes that, oh, sorry. No, he said on SPN, 
radio that just because we're athletes, that shouldn't put us above everyday hardworking people. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And then we've seen uh, similar phenomena with uh, uh, celebrities like Idris Elba tweeted on March 16th, along with a video that he had test uh, he had tested positive for COVID nineteen, but that he felt okay right. and that he had no symptoms so far. Um, and he was saying like, "Oh, I'll keep you updated on how I'm doing." Um, and Elba says that he got uh, tested because he was exposed to someone who it turned out had tested positive, and uh, he's just one of several celebrities I've seen saying that they got tested mm-hmm. because they had relatively mild or no symptoms. So um, I looked at the rules. I'm not sure if he's in the U.S. or Great Britain, but Great Britain, it's the same thing. Like they have guidelines in place that you should only be getting these tests if you're in one of these special categories. Um, So wondering how that happens, (laughs) I found an article in Reuters that was talking about how how rich people in Mm -hmm. New York City can pay $5,000 a year, uh, a membership fee, for a medical concierge service called Solus Health. I know someone who uses that. And she already was tested. I can't doctor, but she was already tested and she already had the antibody test and they came to her home and did her and her whole family. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Um, So in Solus Health. But uh, it has nothing to do with money. Right. Members include people in finance, mm-hmm. entertainment, advertising, and media industries, giving them access to the tests at home. Um, and this comes <clears> at <throat> a time when New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said that the state had the capacity to test just a few hundred patients a day. Um, I also found a piece in the New York Times. Um, there was an opinion piece written, written by uh, Shoa L. Clark, who's a cardiology uh, fellow at Stanford saying that when he was a medical student, this article mm-hmm. is from 2015, when he was a medical student, he noticed that certain patients at the hospital where he was working had bright red blankets. And he would overhear doctors um, identifying these patients, not in the usual way by talking about their age, gender, mm-hmm. or medical problems, but they would say, this is a red blanket patient. And it turned out that a red blanket meant that you were a CEO or, you know, somebody high up, someone who had deep pockets. Um, so the Atlantic reached out to Clark um, about this to comment on the current situation. And he said in that article, most of the major hospitals in the country have some strategy now, not just to recruit patients in general, but to particularly recruit patients who are relatively well insured. Huh. Often hospitals are specifically recruiting international patients to fly over and pay out of pocket. Um, So, and this can, in these hospitals' defenses, this can have a practical Mm -hmm. application because hospitals can go out of business uh, like any other business. And that you could argue that by having rich It saves the hospital in general. You're able to maybe keep hospitals open that maybe wouldn't. It's like a very bizarre way of fundraising. Right. Right. So uh, someone asked Trump at some press conference recently, hey, doesn't it seem that celebrities and uh, rich people are getting tested and that the rest of us aren't? And he said, yes, I've noticed that, too, but perhaps it's. (laughs) We don't talk about him on here, (laughs) Um, but he truly is funny. 
he's I mean he's Same. my favorite comedian. He does a lot of good stand up. Um and it's and uh so and it's like yes, obviously like it's not really mm-hmm. surprising. No one's really shocked. Um but uh that richer people with better insurance have easier access to health. Yes. Stuff. We know like, this. We're not, you know. We don't I don't I don't think I'm an amazing investigative reporter for coming up with this, for googling my way to this knowledge. But what I do, uh, what I do find so funny and so interesting is celebrities coming on and they think that they're extending this olive branch of relatability by talking about how, yes, I too have been affected by this thing that's mm-hmm. affecting you. And it's like, no, no, no. All you're doing is highlighting the enormous yes. chasm of resources between us. So, um, so with that, that all being said, I also wanted to touch on some of the conspiracy theories that some celebrities have been latching on to and uh, putting out there. Um, how I'm are great. you on time? Is your great there? Okay. I have uh, uh, 10 grapes to go. Okay. But let it be known, right, I I'll start, to, but I started with 20, with so I'm only halfway done. Okay, great. Um, so uh, uh, Evangeline Lilly, who is an actress who appeared, who starred mm-hmm. in the I know who she is, I think. Program. Yeah. Um, so she, uh, she posted fairly early on in this whole debacle that she was dropping off her kids at gymnastics camp uh, with the caption, they washed their hands before they went in, hashtag business as usual. And some people were saying, like, why don't you do social distancing? And again, this was right. early on, so I'm not sure that every state, every community had put social distancing protocols in place. Um, but people were still saying, like, why are you making this seem like this is normal? Like, this is not how, you know, this is a bad idea that you're putting into people's brains. Um, and she fired back saying, I'm also immunocompromised at the moment. Uh, I have two young kids and some people value their lives over their freedom. Some people value freedom over their lives. We all make our own choices. Hmm. Uh, And she continued saying, I think we all need to slow down, take a breath and look at the facts we are being presented with. Um, And she added that those don't add up to the all out global lockdown control and pandemonium and insanity we are experiencing. Uh, she went on to say, where we are right now feels a lot too close to martial law oh, for my comfort. All in the name of a respiratory flu. It's unnerving, Evangeline added. Um, and she sort of, uh, she, uh, she also said, um, <clears throat> let's keep a close eye on our leaders and make sure they don't abuse this moment to steal more freedoms and grab more oh power. God. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what her background is, but I think it's pretty obvious that she's um, leaning leaning pretty right. Um, uh, and then someone commented uh, on her post that I think something is going on behind the scenes. Every few years, some disease comes out quick and then disappears as quick as it came. And Lily replied, "There's something every election year." So it seems to be swirling, there seems to be this conspiracy theory swirling around the quarantine and the uh, pandemic that there are forces at work where uh, the election is somehow being uh, influenced by this in a way that people are doing. I mean, obviously, this is going to affect the election, but um, I'm not sure if anyone can really predict how it'll 
affect the election. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. That seems like a, that seems to, uh, if that was someone's plan, like we'll make sure everyone has to stay home uh, and everyone has to vote from home. Right. Another way of voter suppression. I don't know. I don't know. That just seems like too tenuous of a plan. Like how, how, how do you know that that's going to work how you want it to? Like, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not not buying that one. But something that that post brought up that I have been wondering myself and that I did look into was this idea that, you know, we heard about SARS, mm-hmm. we heard about MERS, we've heard about like the H1N1, the avian flu and the swine flu. Like we've been told by the media, we're on the right. cusp of a pandemic for uh, many times, to- many times over um, in the past 20 years <clears throat> and it hasn't happened. So uh, why, what makes this, virus so different from the others. Um, So uh, interestingly, a virologist named Peter Kolchinsky got on Twitter to kind of break down the difference between SARS and COVID-19. We talked about this Mm -hmm. a little bit a couple episodes ago. Uh, SARS is, again, another respiratory uh, disease. I believe it's also a flu. Um, And that that emerged from from Asia, it's from the coronavirus of uh, of uh, the coronavirus mm-hmm. family of viruses. So it's similar to COVID nineteen. Um, in two thousand and two, it made the news, um, and it ended up, but it ended up being more or less contained in Asia, uh, and it killed about ten percent of the people that it infected. But what this virologist talked about that so that makes SARS uh, so different from COVID nineteen is that the symptoms from SARS emerge. Uh, it doesn't have this like incubation uh, so period. Infected. Yes. So he said SARS one was a comparatively dumb <laughs> virus. It went straight for the lungs, announced itself before mm. it could spread to others, uh, and and so got social distanced into extin- extinction because people feel sick immediately. They quarantine themselves, right. and then it's over. Um, and then MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, uh, that emerged around 2012, and that has a much higher fatality rate of either of these. It's something like wow. 34% um, it kills. But the transmission is way more rare, and you have to have very close contact oh. with camels to get it. Yeah. So if you're not near camels or not near someone who's recently been sickened right. by camels, you're okay. There have only been two cases of MERS in the U.S. When, quick note about camels. Um, when, or about just livestock. <laughs> when I was really sick about a year ago with double pneumonia, I was asked every day if I had been near livestock, bats, and other such uh, creatures. And one doctor did ask me if I had been near yeah. a camel. And I said, uh, not recently. Um, <laughs> no, in person? Seen a camel in real life? Oh, maybe. No, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I can't. Re- There's no camel that's standing out in my memory. But the bottom line is animal and Yeah, and then you wouldn't catch me near and- one. A lot that kind. Oh, petting zoos. Get rid of them. Anything with wildlife. Get rid of them. Let's. Uh, I, yeah. 
we don't need, yeah, after this, like, um, the, where we focus our attention needs to be on isolating 100%. wildlife and livestock. We need to disentangle ourselves from anything to do with animals. I agree. I was going to say, but pets. my dog will still sleep in the bed. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so I thought that that was, to me, I, I found that to be a satisfactory explanation. Um, also, with H1N1, that was so similar to mm-hmm. the flu that they were able to come up with a... Um, with a vaccine that now they just mix it in with the annual flu vaccine so that they've kind of taken care of. Um, So that I thought was, uh, yeah, that's basically the, that's the answer that COVID-19 because it has such a long incubation period because it hangs out before it makes itself. And that also it never, sometimes it never makes itself known Um, because you can be asymptomatic. It is a very smart, dangerous, virus that you can walk around forever not knowing you have it infecting those that are immunocompromised or old and that's the devil the devil's in the details and that's where i kind of wanted to end <laughs> that's where i wanted to land with this is i know that your grandfather uh, yeah. recently said to you just come over because you before this all happened you're someone mm-hmm. where you visit your grandparents on a pretty regular basis and you haven't been able to obviously um, and then your grandfather, yes. who is in his 90s, oh, you're not. if I'm not mistaken, he said, come over and yeah. let the chips fall <laughs> where they may. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people are getting this attitude of like, well, you know, fuck it. Like, what's the big deal? Like, all right. Like, uh, like Vanessa oh, yeah. Hudgens famously <laughs> said, like, a lot of a lot of people are going to die. And that's like really sad, but kind of inevitable. And uh, I really don't think that she was coming from a malicious place, but um, I don't know. I just sort of feel like we're still in it's early, early days. days. Like, and it's like better when my grandfather um, did say that I said, you are the chip. You would fall. And I don't want the chips to fall where they may. I want you to be <laughs> um, safe. And my grandma was like, and they're not Trump people. So I don't know where she's getting this sort of animosity from. But she's like, right. without the media, we would just die and no one would know. And I was like, I don't think so. If this came running rampant and was killing a bunch of people, you'd, you'd still know without the media. But I will say, uh, I get it. We all feel like shut-ins and we do feel crazy. But just keep it chill. Keep listening to us. We'll keep you inside. What I've been thinking about is like people are asking like this is so oppressive. But if you think about it this like mm-hmm. staying at home, doing home activities, going to the grocery store. I don't want to downplay how much people are suffering. Obviously there are people who are in bad situations. But for most of us it's like we're working from home and then we go to the grocery store or whatever other essential businesses. And that's how life was for like mm-hmm. most of human history where you just like stayed in your little house and went to your little marketplace and waved at your neighbor and that was it. And then that was like, you know, that went on for 50 years. And then years you died. And then you died. And stuck with me which is uh your own times are not uniquely oppressive where it's like we tend to think we tend to think like everything Ooh, there you go is like oh it's the worst but again like vietnam world war ii these all 
Pretty bad. And then just like the Pretty drudgery bad. of life before that. Be- my point is being at home with your internet in the scale of human misery and suffering, it's just not that bad. And it's not worth it's not worth saying like I refuse Agreed. to be oppressed and like uh, I'm done with it. Like it's just yeah. like, you're not that. <laughs> so that's my only point. You're not that depressed, and if your biggest platform is that you really want to get your roots done, yeah. Done, and I also roots are in. I also don't mind. Let them grow. I love roots. If you take anything away from this episode, we love roots. As Yoko Ono and John Lennon once said, "Stay in bed and grow your hair." If you want to do something that Lennon's telling you That's to do, perfect. just fucking do that. Katie, you've brought us home once again. Thank you. Stay in bed. Grow your hair. Bed piece. Hair piece. Hair piece, bed piece. Stay in bed and grow your hair. Thank you. Oh, yeah.